anybody who is a guest this morning, thank you for being with us. It's important to me that you're treated well if you're a guest, and um, it's important that you would give us any feedback if you're not. So this woman standing over here, her hand is up in the air. That is somebody that you could tell if you find anything that's not, not happening, right? I was given this some time ago. This is a picture of uh, a little Shisu dog. This is a magnet. And the little saying on it says, life's better with a Shisu. Amen. <laughs> The individuals that gave it to me crossed A out and put two because we have two. Shisu. So uh, I've been keeping this all along and threatening to put it right here at the top of my podium as a uh, reminder that they're home in the pen wishing I were there with them. But I have sacrificed for the Lord. I'm putting him first. I'm responding to the call of God. We have been in a wonderful series entitled, Come and, excuse me, Be the Reason Someone Meets Jesus. And last week we talked about a passage of scripture that I want to revisit. Before we get there, I was driving home from here last evening, uh, having spent about five hours with office work and various sundry administrative things and helping put up banners and, and the like. And as I was driving home, I said to myself, well, I just lost five hours I could have been in the Word. I really said that. Well, I just lost five hours. And Saturdays are critical to me. In fact, Fridays and Saturdays, I try to shut down, you know, everything else and just spend time in the Word and preparation and prayer. And these things uh, that I was tending to for five hours were demanding. They, they were necessary. And that rose up in me and I said, uh, well, I just lost five hours in the Word. And all of a sudden, as clear as a bell, Immediately, the Lord responded to that and he said, no, you just had five hours with the word. God has a way of putting you in your place. When you are thinking some of those most negative thoughts, And I was mindful in that moment of John's Gospel, chapter 1, and of a principle that I call, in the beginning, in the beginning, and it goes on to say, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in that moment driving home where God had corrected me, in my own theology and faith, 
I realized I needed to rest in my identity. Before I can be the reason that somebody finds Jesus, I need to be secure in who I am in Jesus. Before I can be a channel, a vehicle through whom somebody might come to Christ and give their life to Christ, I need to know my own identity in Christ. So I went back to that familiar passage in the Gospel of John and began to read it and look at it and have a few thoughts for you here about our topic. Look with me, John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. This word beginning means basic stuff. Really, first cause, basic stuff. And it's actually a reference to Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God. How many of you know every human being wants to know basic stuff about life, about them, about their origin? All of us want to know why we're here. What's my purpose? Who am I? Why was I created? And God answers that with a resounding, here's why, from the book of Revelation. He says, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, the idea behind that isn't that God was bored one day. You know, God was just feeling bored, and he needed something to do, and so he decided, here, I'll create mankind so I have something to play with. When the Bible says that all things were created for his pleasure, he wasn't bored. He was desiring intimacy with something out of himself, so rich, so exciting, so enthralling. In fact, one author called it the divine romance. Dear one, if you want to know basic stuff about you, why you exist, why you're on this planet, it begins right here with the fact that God wants to romance you. He wants a romantic relationship with you. He wants intimacy with us that's so deep, so precious, so special. In fact, he desires intimacy with the very visible form and expression of himself. You know, we read that in the beginning, God created, and one of the things that he created was you. And it says that he created mankind in his, 
Isn't that amazing? God wanted a romance with yet another expression of himself. We already have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And God says, there's something incomplete there. There's an expression of myself I still want to bring into this divine dance and romance called humankind. And he breathed the breath of life. The Bible says he, he created Adam out of the dust of the ground. This is why sometimes ladies will call their husbands, you dirtbag. Have, have, have you ever been called a dirtbag? And, and maybe not by your spouse. I mean, maybe somebody else called you a dirt. That's where it comes from. The book of Genesis, that's scriptural. But ladies, you got to say it in the right tone. When God said it, he, he created Adam out of the dust of the ground, stood him up and didn't call him a dirtbag. He went, he put his lips on Adam's lips and the Bible says he breathed into Adam the breath of life. And Adam became a living, romantic expression of God. And God has never stopped pursuing you. There isn't another lover in the kingdom. You're it. He's crazy about you. So if I'm going to be the reason that somebody meets Jesus, I need to rest in my identity. Paul said this in Colossians chapter 1, and this is the secret. Christ lives in you. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So consider this. I realized on that drive home when I said, I have just lost five hours in the Word. How contrary I was, not only to the Bible, but my own theology. I saw myself as just spending five hours separated from the presence of God. And that somehow it's not until my Bible's open in front of me and I'm praying and I'm seeking the Lord that God's with me. Anybody guilty? <laughs> and whoosh, the Holy Spirit comes, breathes on us and says, what do you mean you just lost five hours? You just spent five hours with the Word. I was there in everything you were doing. I was there in everything you were handling. I was there in every banner you hung. I was loving you. I was dancing with you. I was romancing you. We must get rid of the separation from God mentality. It's old covenant. It's contrary to the very life of Jesus. There is no distance between you 
and God. That veil's been rent from top to bottom. Paul says in Hebrews 13, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The New Living Translation of that says, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. Rick? <laughs> Man, have you been tested in that reality? Yeah? Car wreck, pain, damaged vehicle now, discouragement of being involved in something like that. Where was God? Where was God? And yet his word says, I will never abandon you. I will never fail you. And I remember saying to you on the phone, Rick, this is an opportunity this is an opportunity for the blessing of God to take you another step, to catapult you forward. This will not be a step backwards, this will be a step forward. I speak blessing on a new vehicle coming into your life. I speak healing to your body. In Jesus' name. I don't know exactly what all you will listen to this morning. I don't know about you. When I'm in a service, I pick and choose. I, I mean, if I'm out there, I pick and choose. Everything doesn't light my fire, you know. Sometimes I get distracted by somebody coming in the back door or something flitting through the air, a bug or... You know, I, I, I see that the speaker isn't straight on the wall. Things like that really get me. I, I, can, I, can, I can lose my salvation over things like that. But he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. See, I... I but listen, listen if, if you get nothing else from what I'm about to say in the next 20 minutes... You must get this. Never tie God's blessings to some do-it-yourself act. He doesn't bless you because you're good. He blesses you because he's good. He doesn't bless you because you prayed this morning. He blesses you because he already prayed. He prayed it through and he split that curtain in the temple and said, no more separation. Immediately they are in my presence from now on. This isn't a religion of behavior modification. This is a relationship, a divine dance with the creator of the earth who's never stopped pursuing you and me. So Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, and I'll read it from the mirror translation. The terms co-crucified and co-alive define me now. Christ in me and I in him. Watch this, verse 21. It is an insult to the grace of God to prefer Moses to Jesus. If the law could justify you, then Jesus wasted his time dying your death. Every time 
you think you're getting closer to God because you fast. All right? God somehow is going to reach out of heaven and see you fasting and bless you. God's wasting his time. Every time you pray and read your Bible with the attitude that if I do this, God will hear me, God will see me, God will bless me, God would be wasting his time. That's what we're saying in God's face. I don't know about you, but I believe God and Jesus were successful. I said, I believe God and Jesus were successful. I believe that that what Jesus came to do on the cross, he succeeded at. I I believe God's plan for Jesus to die on that cross and, and raise up a church was successful, that he did it. He's not a failure. He didn't fail. And he's raised up a mighty church that he's been building. And you're part of that. The second part of our text, John 1.1 1, 1 here says, in the beginning, the word existed and the word was with God and the word was God. Here's another rendering. What God was, the word was. What God was, Jesus was. What God is, Jesus is. Here's another example of that. Jesus said in John 10.30, the Father and I are one. He said in chapter 17, verse 11, so that they may be just as we are one. So that, excuse me, they may be one just as we are one. Wow. Just like the Father and Jesus have perfect unity, perfect fellowship, perfect peace and joy together, oneness, no separation, nothing could come between them. So you have with God. So you have with Christ. You have the same closeness to Jesus that Jesus has with God. You have the same relationship with God that Jesus, your elder brother, has with God. So why have you been speaking down about yourself? Why have you been speaking negative things about yourself? Why would I say driving home, Oh, I just lost five hours in the Word. What a slap in God's face. What I was really saying is, God, you wasted your time. What you did on the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus really didn't count because you really didn't reconcile me to yourself. You really didn't bring me up close, and you do leave me when I'm doing anything else but sitting in church listening to a sermon or my Bible's open and I'm praying and I'm intentionally seeking you. And God says, really? Wow. I've wasted my time. (laughs) But he didn't, and he doesn't, and he never leaves us, and he never forsakes us, and he's not wasting his time, and neither are you. In him you live and move and have your being. So whether you're drumming or you're in school or you're driving your car to work or whatever you do, Stephen, in him you live and move and have your being. Oh, and it's great to 
break open the Bible and it's great to take, you know, 10, 15 minutes or whatever time, you know, you can insert in there and spend time worshiping and loving and greeting the Lord and spending just loving on him. You are the visible form of Jesus. You are the reason someone will meet Jesus. Now I'm going to read verse 13 and 14 from the same chapter we've been in. And again, I'll read it from the mirror translation. Listen. These are they who discover their genesis in God beyond their natural conception. Man began in God. We are not the invention of our parents. Take it down. Take it down, Jeff. We got to pause there because if I let you keep reading, you'll just get all excited about something else. Not my point. <laughs> You're not the invention of your mom and dad. <laughs> Some of us are saying hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Have you ever met my mom? Have you ever met my dad? Some of you are saying, you know. <laughs> I know, I'm slipping over this way. Sliding this way. <laughs> hey, your, your kids are going to grow up and they're going to, as they find their identity in Jesus and they, they, they learn who they are in Christ and, and, and you inculcate them with this precious revelation that we're sharing and we're learning here in our midst, they're going to say the same thing about you. <laughs> I'm not my mother's invention. I'm not my father's invention. I'm God's idea see next time you're tempted to light up next time you're tempted to put that on the television next time you're tempted to say that thing you know what you do that's not me that's, that's not me that's not who I am that might be my earthly dad that might be my earthly mom, but I'm not their idea. Right now, God, I just give you control. You flow through me. You, 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 you handle this. You, you live in this. I don't need that. In him I live and move and I have my being. All right, put it back up, Jeff. Verse 14. Suddenly, the invisible eternal word takes on visible form, the incarnation in him, and now confirmed in us. The most accurate, tangible display of God's eternal thought finds expression in human life. The word became a human being, and we are his address. He resides in us. So, be the reason someone meets Jesus isn't a new work, isn't a new effort on your part. It, it, it isn't go back and listen to Pastor Jeff's sermon and pull out your notes and go through the steps and remember how you have to try to 
Be the reason somebody meets Jesus is you just being you, God's kid, God's precious romance. You are God's expression in this earth of Jesus. And so if I just be myself, if I just act in him, live in him, move in him, breathe in him, just let his spirit flow through me. People are meeting Jesus all day long. I had to slip out during announcements here for a minute to take care of what with our little shisus we call, do you need to do your business? <laughs> How many of you use that? You need to do your business? Go do your business. <laughs> so I, I needed to slip out and do my business. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming back, I know. Everybody's saying, oh God, I hope he doesn't say these things next week at grand opening with the mayor here and three apostles from California and oh my God, Jesus, help our pastor. Well, look, no, no, it's too late. Because my wife came to me this week and she said, honey, be yourself. This is how I act in the car. <laughs> this is how I act at home. I don't know any other way to be, all right? I'll rain, I won't be uncouth. I'll, you know, I'll... That's why we love you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, so I was coming back from doing my business and listen to this. Sam, where's Sam? Sam Weddle? He's down in class. But he was out here in the hall and he, and I was, and he said, Pastor. And I looked around, who's saying my name for the hall? And he had somebody standing with him that had walked in our front door and they were standing in the, there in the hallway. He said, come here. I walked up. And you could smell that this gentleman had been enjoying. <laughs> and uh, I said, how are you? And he reached out his hand. He said, hi, I'm Sean. And I shook his hand. And I immediately, I could sense the power of God. I could sense that this was a divine appointment. He didn't just walk in here by accident. He had his full faculty. He was, you know... But he said, I, I wanted to come in. I needed to talk to you. I just want to let you know. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I plan to come next week. I put my hand on his chest, and I just begin to pray more, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now. You just love this man. You love Sean so much. Take care of him. Bless his family. And I just begin to pray redemptive realities into his life. What an opportunity. Do you see that's been happening almost daily here? because of our location and dear ones you should see all of the other things that are going out this week around the premises here and on the sidewalks and in the windows and so forth and the marketing that's being done in a moment I'm going to show you something that's going to be going up uh, not only in social media but in something called GoFundMe and I want you to be able to share it I'm asking you this morning to never forget the power of an invite. In John chapter 1, as we keep reading, in verse 35, this happens. 
The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. As Jesus walked by, John looked at Jesus and declared, Look there! There's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Do you realize that some people just need to be pointed? (laughs) They're already open. They're already hungry. They just need you to point them. And I, I hope you'll begin to point them to your small groups, to Sunday morning church service, to the website, to social media, to just, just point them. Some, some people are ready. These two men were ready to follow God. But you need to be sure that when you point them, your own finger's not bent. You know, I mean, you... You're not really pointing somebody in the right direction if your own finger's crooked and bent and messed up. Well, how do you deal with that? Well, you, you've got to get your identity right. You've got to understand who you are in Jesus before you can point somebody else there. Verse 38, Jesus looked around and he saw them following and he said, what do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, where are you staying? Look at what he said. Come and see. Would everybody read that? Come and see. Please, again, out loud. Come and see. Non-religious, non-judgmental, the open heart of Jesus. What do you want? Some translations say, what would you like me to do? Again, it's not a, I'm busy. What do you need? What do you want? He was exploring. He was opening up their possibilities. He was opening up their imagination. What do you want? What would you like? What do you need? Well, where are you staying? You know, people don't have any problem going where the presence of God is. They just have a problem with religion. People don't want judgmentalism. People don't want a church if it's going to be full of religious ideas and religious teaching that's not life-giving and full of hope and grace that points people to a father who's already redeemed them instead of a father who's exacting behavior modification. See, uh, people, that's why I said you you gotta get your own, before you can point correctly to Jesus, you gotta get that finger thing worked out. Be sure it's straight, be sure it's in the direction of the good news of the gospel and not some other religious teaching. And so he just says, come see. Now isn't that interesting? He didn't break out the scripture He didn't start a Bible study. He didn't invite them back on Sunday for church service. He just said, come see, come watch, come experience what's going on. You know what, this week, you're going to run into some people who need that very word from you. You don't have to explore everything with them. You don't need to care what they're into. You don't need to care what their life looks like. You don't even need to worry about what their response to you is going to be. You need to simply say, you know what? (laughs) Please, this Sunday, come and see. You've got to come and see. 
and trust the Holy Spirit to do what he does as he works with the human heart bringing people to himself in that divine romance. Jeff, could we please this little paragraph? The Lord gave me this a couple of weeks ago when I was sitting with some, with an apostolic group and uh, it was so relevant to the moment. And I, I believe it's our heart here as we say to people, come and see. This is not an invitation to hear preaching and to accept what we believe. This is an invitation to come into our home, to be part of our family, and to spend time with us, enjoy peace and learning. It's out of that atmosphere of belonging that the explanation of what we believe will be presented and the supernatural process of becoming will be activated by the Holy Spirit. The simple power of invite. Doug, would you run up here real quick, please? May I have that microphone, sweetheart? Doug and I were just sharing this past week. He was here working on the building and he began to say some things to me that I thought, oh man, that, that's a perfect testimony of some of the things that I'm going to be sharing on Sunday. And so I asked him if he would share just, just briefly, just a couple of minutes what you were talking about with me. Hello? Just briefly. <laughs> Is this thing on? Real close to your mouth. Okay. <laughs> or my Shisu will get you. When he asked me to do this, after I got home, I sat down and I started putting together an outline. I was ready to <laughs> preach this morning. <laughs> I was getting ready to preach this morning. I bet you and were. Uh, God said, you know, um, he wants your testimony not your preaching. So I did save a few notes just because I, I don't want to miss any, anything. But, but basically, um, I think what he wanted me to tell you about was um, I grew up in, in Presbyterian church. I went away from the church after I got a, left home, you know, when I was 18. And didn't go to church except for Christmas and Easter for many years. Uh, things went on. I was having a good time, blah, blah, blah. Got married, had kids. Over time, you know, things were deteriorating in my life. Okay? I knew God was still there. But anyways, it got pretty bad. My wife and I were struggling maritally and financially and in every way. Well, my dad always told me, if you start going back to church, things will get better. Things will change. And uh, so I, I listened to it. He mentioned it, I don't know, a few times over the years. Well, finally, one day we got to the point where we just had to do something. There's a lot more to this, but I'm not going to go into all that. But uh, So we started going to church. And it's absolutely true. Everything did change. Didn't all change overnight. Some did, some didn't. But it's, a, it's an ongoing process of change and, and moving in God, but growing in God. Uh, but the point, I guess, is that... Uh, what's the point? 
<laughs> and let me see what the point is well, here. see, I, I took some of my own notes <laughs> while in, and, and recalled what you were saying, but... Well, anywho, um, I guess the point is uh, that, you know, God gave gifts to the church, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teacher, you know, so that we can be equipped for the work of ministry. If you're not here, you're not going to be equipped like you need to be. You're, we're supposed to be a body of believers that are connected. And so this is, this is the connection that that so gets us to the place where we want to be. It gets us to the marital bliss and the financial bliss and whatever it is. Uh, have I missed anything? I mean, yeah, you did a great job. <laughs> can, I, can I drop them? <laughs> as long as you'll buy or pay for the repair. Okay, well, I'll, get, I'll hand it to Nina. Then. Okay. <laughs> Doug said, you know, Pastor, what happened is we began to come into an atmosphere of faith. We began to learn how to apply God's promises. God wasn't mad at us. Life wasn't falling apart because God was after us or mad at us. But we, 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 didn't, we didn't have faith to apply the promises. That's exactly right. Is this thing on? It's on. Okay, the point I want to, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, right? That's in Romans, I think, yes. in Romans 10. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> but uh, I'm on a roll, baby. Uh, but, you know, God separates those two things for a reason. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're going to get faith in what you're hearing. If you're outside of this building, if you're out in the world, you're going to have faith in a lot of stuff, sickness, disease, poverty. But if you're here, you're developing faith Thank you. according to the word of God. Mm. Okay. Amen. Isn't that good? So keep, keep looking. John 1, look down just a verse to verse 40. Watch what happens now. So these two gentlemen start following Jesus. Jesus invites them for the evening. Come, come just see. And in verse 40 it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of those men who heard what John had said and followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. One of the most powerful scriptures in all of the Bible. Simon, or Andrew, brought Simon to meet Jesus. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, come follow me, verse 45. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And here's what Philip says, come and see for yourself. 
I love that Andrew brought Simon and literally introduced him to Jesus. When this series started, we used a text from Leviticus chapter 19. Here it is on the screen. Do not take advantage of foreigners who have lived among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. All right. Wonderful principles. We've taught on it. But I'm going to give you three things now. These are the big three as we bring this principle of loving strangers well over into our church and over into the new covenant. You ready? Three things. Number one, get up and walk across the room. I never want to see anybody that attends Genesis regularly standing in your little cliques, sitting down in your chair, texting or Facebooking or doing whatever you're doing and a visitor walks by. A guest with family in tow walks by looking around and you just sit. Never again. We're going to get up. We're going to walk across the room and we are going to engage number two. No guest Who's a guest here this morning? You do not regularly attend, and you're a guest this morning. Are there, do we have any guests this morning? Everybody's been here a time or two, okay? And yeah. All right. So, good. We're with family. Listen, family. Number two, no guest leaves without a smile and a touch. Number three, pray for the work of the Holy Spirit.